Well, thank you, Jarek. Thank you, Ken. Thank you to those who have served to pass out the communion this morning. Thank you to our Bible class teachers, our volunteers. Thank you to our shepherds, our deacons. Thank you to those of you who are dedicated to this work here at this church. We find you so special and we're so appreciative of all that you do. Good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We are so happy to see you here with us this morning as we worship God collectively in spirit and in truth. And if you are visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know, as always, that you are our honored guests and you're always welcome here at this church whenever the doors are open. We have a card, a visitor's card in the back of your pew that we want you to take out and fill out, and then you can take that card, and there's a box in the foyer that you can place that card into, or you can pass it to me or one of our shepherds. We'd love to have a record of your attendance so that we can invite you back out to this church, because I say it every Sunday, I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. I really do truly believe that. So uh, this morning, we are going to continue on in our sermon series entitled The Power of of Proverbs, which will feed us for the next three weeks. Mike, go to this first slide. Last week, we discussed the importance of wisdom in our lives and how we ought to wise up and how we can obtain wisdom through studying the Word of God. And like I stated last week, there is so much great material in the book of Proverbs that we could spend the next six months studying this book and uh, Proverbs, like I said, is, is one of my favorite, well, probably my most favorite book in the entire Bible because it gives the reader some very simple and practical advice on how to keep oneself away from a life of trouble. And I don't know about you guys, I need that advice to keep me away from a life of trouble. So today, guess what we're going to be talking about? A subject that you guys couldn't wait to get to not really, um, discussing how to master my mouth, Woo! which none of us have a problem with this morning. Amen. Yeah, right. So the story goes, after a long, 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 long and dry sermon, the minister announced that he wished to meet with the church board following the close of service. However, the man that arrived to the meeting first was a total stranger. And the preacher said, you misunderstood my announcement. Uh, this is a meeting of the board. I know, said the man, but if there is anyone here more bored than I am, I'd like to meet him today. <laughs> you know, this man used a poor choice of words in talking to his preacher, didn't he? Oftentimes, we use poor choices of words, and we don't mean to, and sometimes they get us in trouble. I want to do a show of hands this morning, but I'm not going to. If you ever used a poor choice of word, raise your hand this morning. You can raise your hand. You would say it was you, right? Oh, well, thank you for the transparency. Appreciate that. Um, all of us have. And many of you have probably been in a situation like I have where you have said something, and you watched the words come out of your mouth like on Sesame Street. And, and you couldn't do anything about it. It was too late, and you said to yourself, why on earth did I say that? What was I thinking? There's something about our tongue that is so difficult 
to master. So this morning, we're going to spend some time talking about how to master our tongues. But before we even do that this morning, there is a song in our songbook that I really want Jerry to come up and lead us in. It's page 719, and the song is Angry Words, Oh Let Them Never. So we're going to sing this song together, and then we'll get back into our material this morning. Jerry. We're going to do this the old-fashioned way out of the, the book, so you can uh, look it up and down at the same time. Y'all used to do that. Everybody knows how to do that. to be uh, my mother's favorite song, and I love what the song has to say, if you think about it. Angry words, oh let them never, from my tongue unbridled slip, may the heart's best impulse ever check them ere they soil the lip. Love is much too pure and holy, friendship is too sacred far, for a moment's Reckless folly, thus to desolate and mar. There is something about the use of our tongue. There is something about the words that we speak that can be 
life-giving and life-changing, but also can destroy a life. I want you to listen to the words of this poem real quick. A wise old owl sat in an oak. The more he heard, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why aren't we like that wise old bird? Think before you speak. Silent sense is better than fluent folly. Amen. Nothing is quite so rude as having someone go right on talking while you're interrupting. If you wouldn't write it and sign it, don't say it. Amen. Swallowing angry words is much easier than having to eat them. Knowing what all experience serves to show, no mud can soil us but the mud we throw. I really like that poem because I think it says so much. But the problem that we encounter in talking about this subject material is the Bible says this about the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. So, Jason, why preach a sermon on it if we can't tame it? Well, because there is something that we can change that will affect what we say out of our mouths, and we'll get to that in a moment. There was, a, uh, there was this neat language study, and the language study said that on average, men speak about 20,000 words a day. I thought that was pretty clever. And then the same study said, preachers say three times more than that. And then it said that women speak three times more than preachers. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. It didn't say that. But we all love to talk, don't we? We all love to talk, some more than others. Um, talk shows today receive a lot of ratings, don't they? You guys were sad when Oprah went off the air. Tell the truth, right? Talk shows are all over the place, and people love to tune in and hear the latest gossip and the latest scandal because we just love to hear about controversial and difficult topics. And the more difficult or controversial, the better. And that's what our culture is built around, just this entertainment idea of sharing ideas and hearing the latest news. But I want us to be mindful that our words can make or break us, so we've got to be extremely careful with what we say. Mike, go to this next slide. I want to get to this passage of Scripture found in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 3, and it says something that is so, so important. So if you don't hear any other verses this morning, don't get anything that I say, just remember this one verse. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. This verse is, is so, so extremely, extremely important, and we're going to flesh it out this morning. Did you not know that the book of Proverbs contains about 150 verses on how to use our tongues? And I want to summarize Three ideas this morning. So if you're taking notes, I've got really three ideas this morning, and then I'll be done. Consider this my sermon on the mouth. Amen. In, or <laughs> In order to keep ourselves out of trouble, point number one is this. We must think before we speak. Now, you've heard that all the time. Mama used to tell you that all the time. Think before you say something. Point number two is this, and this one is pretty tough. 
always speak the truth. Always speak the truth. And then point number three is this. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Let's go to this next verse, Mike. It's found in Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. And I'm reading from the Good News translation, so it may say it differently in your Bible, but it says this. You will have to live with the consequences of everything that you say. Oh, no. Why, Lord, why? What you say can preserve life or destroy it, so you must accept the consequences of your words. Everything that you say, you'll have to give an account for. And uh, Chuck, our shepherd, gave a wonderful Bible class a couple of Wednesdays ago on this very topic or this idea of being careful about how you use your words because you'll have to give an account to them. You see, what you say can make you sick or make you well. What you say can cause uh, a good marriage to flourish or it can cause divorce. What you say can cause happiness or sadness. What you say can win friends or make enemies. What you say can cause you to be poor or wealthy. What you, can say, what you say can get you hired or fired, amen, yeah? There are consequences to everything that we say, and that's why we should always think before we speak. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 25 says this. It is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vows. Have you ever been there before this morning, church? Have you said something and you didn't consider what the third and fourth order effects of that statement would be and then it caused some difficulties and problems in your life? Have you ever made a promise to your children, parents, so that they'd leave you alone? Is that just me this morning? I know, it's terrible. <laughs> the other day, Alayla and Izzy, uh, I was working on a sermon and working on a paper or something. They came up and they said, Dad, um, can you play with us? Can, can we go outside and play? And I said, yeah, just give, me, just give me a moment. Five minutes later, they came up, Dad, we're hungry. I said, give me a moment. Five more minutes, they came up, Dad, we're thirsty. I said, just give me a moment. They came back up, Dad, can we play? I said, you know what? If you give me one hour, I'll let you do whatever you want to do in life, anything in life. And they said, Dad, take us to Disneyland. And I didn't really hear what they said. And I said, you got it. You can go three times if you want to. I didn't even hear what they said. Next morning, they went up to their mother and said, Mom, Dad said he's going to take us to Disneyland, not once, not twice, but three times. And Mary came up to me and said, when are we going? I said, what? what's going on here? So I made a promise, and I didn't consider <laughs> the ramifications of that promise, speaking loosely. And many of us who have been to Disneyland, if you don't have the pass, you know it costs about $8 billion for a family to four to get in. So I've got to take out a loan to get my family to Disneyland. Oftentimes we say things. <laughs> rashly and we're not thinking about the consequences we just say them and they come out and then we have to deal with what we have said later on and that's why the bible says we've got to be careful we got to think before we speak because if we don't think before we speak it can lead us down a road in a place that we don't want to go i like mickey in disneyland but pray for me church next verse 
Proverbs chapter 24, verse number 26. Listen to this, church. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't know. I can see how that might work. Uh, has anybody told you something about yourself that was just honest? And it didn't feel like a kiss on the lips. It felt like a slap in the face, amen. That, this passage is, is, is interesting if we kind of flesh it out and think about it. What does this mean? Well, it means to us that we must always speak the truth. And when we speak the truth, the end result should be this. It should be like a kiss on, a li- on the lips. But I, I want to make this clear distinction because I think sometimes... Um, we we get this all wrong. I don't know about you guys, um, but if you get to know me more, you know that I am a blunt talker, and and my my parents and my wife will tell me sometimes I'm a little too honest, right? So for me, I really appreciate people that are really, really honest with me. Even if what they have to say I don't necessarily like, they're just, just being honest, right? So I kind of function within that world, but sometimes that can get us in trouble, right? There's a difference between being honest and being blunt. And God wants us to be honest with each other, but he wants us to be honest in the right way. Amen? He wants us to be honest in the right way. And I really like what our school teachers and our parents and family members used to tell us long ago. They used to say, honesty is the best policy. Would you agree with that? I I agree with that statement. I think that's right. Honesty is the best policy if dot, 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 it's said correctly. Amen. If it's said correctly. So so the story goes, there was a a preacher's kid, a preacher's little boy, and he inquired. He said, "Uh, Daddy, I noticed every Sunday morning when you first get up to preach, you sit up on the platform and you bow your head just like this. He said, Dad, what, what are you doing? And the father said, well, I'm asking the Lord to give me a good sermon. And the little boy said, well, why doesn't he, Daddy? I just don't, <laughs> don't get it, Dad. <laughs> you got to love the honesty of children, don't you? This boy was being honest, but what he had to say in his moment of honesty wasn't that encouraging, was it? So we've got to make sure that we have a balance between this weird dichotomy of of being totally honest and helpful and honest but discouraging at the same time. Where is that balance? We've got to learn to figure that out. Honesty should be used to encourage a person, right? But sometimes you've heard it before. People say, well, I'm just being honest. Well, your honesty is not really helping me at this season, at this point in my life. So let's figure out how to say that in a different way so that your honesty can be a kiss on the lips rather than a slap in the face. But I want to mention this, and and hope you guys don't take this the wrong way. Sometimes our silence about a situation is not a good thing. You know, oftentimes you heard that, you know, if you can't say Nothing nice. Don't say nothing at all. And I know that's not proper English, but that's the way you heard it. If you can't say something nice, don't say something, don't say anything at all, right? But sometimes when we don't say anything, that becomes a problem too because we're not being honest and we're not helping the other person. Sometimes, and I see this in the church a lot, sometimes we're fearful of speaking the truth. 
And we don't say what needs to be said because we're scared of conflict with the person. That's what happens a lot of times. You see this gaping deficiency and you need, uh, and you see this, this, this change that needs to happen in this person's life and you know something needs to be said, but you're saying, you know what, as a Christian brother or sister, I don't want to tell them that. I don't want to hurt their feelings and I don't want to get into a season of conflict with someone. That's just as bad as kind of lying to them or being rude to them by not saying what needs to be said and it takes people of courage that need to say what needs to be said, oftentimes. We're scared of conflict with the person, and we don't want to deal with the issue, so we don't say anything at all. And we say, shh, maybe it will go away. That's not the truth. The Bible says always speak the truth, because if you do that, give an honest answer, it's actually a blessing in the long term rather than a problem. Another point. Point number three. I'm almost, almost done here. Uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verses 18 and 19. Uh, I don't know if you, got, you guys, but this verse really just kind of resonated with me as I was thinking about this material this morning. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Reckless words pierce like a sword. You know, I, I thank the Lord that I've been married to my wife for, for 11 years, coming up on 11, 11 years now. When we first got married, Mary had to put up with a lot of stuff from this guy right here. And as I look at her, I'm just so thankful that she stuck it out with me. Now, my family history is that I come from a line of military men, soldiers, I'm a football player, and I'm a blunt talker. So sometimes things just come out, and I don't know where they come from. And, and I'm surprised Mary stuck it out with me, amen, because I said some things that weren't encouraging or beneficial to our relationship because they were just reckless in nature because of the culture and environment that I grew up in. But it took someone with a little grace and a little love to say, you know what, I'm going to give you some grace in that. So what I want to say about this is there are some people around you that always speak reckless words. They are just blunt talkers, and they just come out and say stuff, and you're like, where on earth did that come from? And usually what happens is we get really upset with them and angry. I can't believe they said that to me. But sometimes people like that need to be extended grace because that's kind of how they are. That's the way they came. You're not condoning what they're doing or what they're saying, but you're saying, you know what? I'm not going to allow your, your reckless words to damage my, my day. And since I've had that mentality, Mary taught me that, since I've had that, a lot of things I can let go. Jason, that tie you were wearing the other day was ugly. Thank you for your diagnosis. I appreciate that. Thank you. You know, you can let stuff like that go. Jason, that sermon was horrible. God bless you, sister, brother. It doesn't bother you because you know that's kind of where they are, and you can let things like that go. But I know some people that are so, so sensitive that they'll react at a moment's notice whenever a reckless word is said to them. And I would say to that person, well, maybe we need some more spiritual maturity to learn how to handle, handle that. But reckless words can get us into a lot of trouble. So we've got to learn to speak the truth but speak it in love. You know, you can't take reckless words back. That's the, that's the thing about reckless words. You can't, you can't take them back. 
Have you ever said something and thought, man, I, I, wish, I, could, wish I could just rewind time and take what I said back? There was a preacher who said, reckless words are like a man who climbed to the top of Mount Everest. And while at the top of the mountain, he tore up a piece of paper into a thousand pieces. And then he let the wind blow the paper out of his hand. Then he started walking down the mountain, trying to collect as much paper as he could. And he couldn't collect that much. When you say reckless words, you can't collect them or take them back. Did you know that? They're already out there. You can't pick them back up. And you're going, well, what, what do I do about that? Well, a kind and encouraging word can help rebuild that relationship that was broken. And that's why the Bible talks so much about encouraging one another, saying kind words, building each other up. Maybe you've said something in the past that wasn't so good. You can't take that back, but I tell you what, you can counterbalance that by saying something encouraging, nice, sweet, and kind, right? So that's what we need to do with each other. Say kind things. Speak the truth in love. And I really like this method. I learned this from the Army. Uh, maybe you've heard of this. It's called the sandwich method. Have you heard of the sandwich method before? Whenever you're offering someone a critique, use the sandwich method. If you don't know what it is, here it is. When you want to offer somebody a critique, the first thing you do is you start with something positive. You sure are looking handsome today. Well, that might be kind of awkward. Don't do that. But you are such a kind person. You are so special. You are so talented and gifted. But I see a couple of areas maybe you don't even use, but there are some areas that you could really improve on. And here are the areas. That's the middle part. And then the end, you put another kind word. And you keep up the good work because you're doing a wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, Mary does that to me often. And I didn't know I got a critique. I'm like, well, all right. You know, that was good. <laughs> I feel good about myself. And then I think about it. Wait a minute. Did she just say that? I can't believe she just said that. But the sandwich method is so important, I wish we used that more. Start off with something kind. Give the little critique or feedback, and then leave them with something kind to think about. That's the way you speak the truth in love. But I know some people that just come right out and say it. You need to work on that, because that was horrible. And it's like, whoa, man. And you can't even process that because it stung so much. So I, I tell you, church, try that a little bit and see what it does. It'll really bless and encourage your life. Last verse that I want to look at this morning, and I'm kind of going on a little bit. This material is so, so important, right? Luke chapter 6, verses 44, 45. This is, this is, this is good right here, church. It's really good. It says this, Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Remember that last sentence right there. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. I want to make this clear, and I know this probably sounds bad, but I'm going to say it anyway. Brace yourself. Put your seatbelt on. Here you go. For the most part, people mean what they say, and they say what they mean. Think about that. People mean what they say, and they say what they mean. My mom used to tell me sometimes there's truth 
in sarcasm, when people are being sarcastic. They mean what they say, and they say what they mean. But have you ever said, have you ever had someone speak rudely to you and then say, I, I, I didn't mean it? Have you ever had that happen before? I, I didn't mean that. I, just excuse, I didn't mean that. Well, yes, they did. Yes, they did. They meant it at that moment. They sure did. They're just sorry that they said it. Okay, I'm just, can I keep it real this morning? Can I keep it real? They're just sorry that they caught, got caught saying it. Yes, they did mean it. And the Bible is clear on that. What, what comes out of our mouths is what is in our hearts. So when we speak it, we say that because it's what's in here. What's in here? So at the beginning of the sermon, um, you know, I said uh, the Bible teaches us that no one can tame the tongue. So, so why preach a, a sermon on mastering our mouths? Well, because there is something that we can do that will affect our tongues. And what we can change that will help us master our mouths is our hearts. Right? That is what will help us with this right here. You know, because oftentimes we focus on this. Well, we got to fix this up. No, we need to focus on this and this. And then that will be taken care of. You know, we just did a series on, on the heart or the Jesus heart. We start talking about different characteristics. And, and we define the heart as our thinking and the intellectual and emotional innermost parts of ourselves. And our hearts must be submissive to God in order for our mouths to change. You can't just say, I'm going to stop this habit, and you hadn't changed your thinking or hadn't changed your emotional response to it. It's not going to happen, right? I know some people that say, you know, I, I want to lose 15 pounds, but they still eat Snickers every single day. That's not going to help, right? That's not, eat a salad, right? That might, that might help. That's not going to help. Oftentimes we say, I'm going to change my mouth, and then we don't do anything about it. In order to change this right here, we've got to change this and change this. And then this will be a fountain of, of, of wonderfulness. I'm going to use that word. Our mouth, listen to this, is our secondary response to the primary problem of our broken heart. That's what the problem is. So if we want to change our mouths and master our mouths, we've got to change our hearts, our thoughts, our intentions and the way you do that is from what we talked about last week. Get into the word of God. Let it penetrate deeply into your hearts, into your minds, and your emotions. So when things happen, you'll be able to keep it in. <laughs> you, won't, you won't react in certain situations. Your maturity level will grow exponentially because your heart is changed. And then you'll say, wow, I can't believe I didn't respond or react in that way. And that's how we master our mouths. And that's a difficult process. So this morning, church, I just kind of wanted to take it from a different perspective and be somewhat frank this morning. All of us have mouths, and all of us have said something that we didn't need to say. And oftentimes we, we do in anger or in emotional crises. We just say stuff that doesn't need to be said, but the Bible says we've got to be encouraging. And there's three points that I want you to remember this morning. Uh, the first is think before you speak. Always speak the truth. But when you speak that truth, speak it in love. And I tell you what, church, if you can do that, your relationships will grow. Uh, situations will change in your life. 
God will be well pleased with you and he'll, he'll, he'll elevate you to new positions and new heights because you have changed your heart and as a result of changing that heart, your mouth has changed. So this morning, church, maybe there's someone here that, that's guilty of making a mistake of saying some things that they shouldn't have said. You didn't mean it. Yeah, you did. You, you, I didn't mean, yes, you, you meant it, but that's okay. There's room for grace in this church. There's room for grace in your relationships. God gives you grace all the time. Come forward and say, you know what? I, I made a mistake, Lord. Forgive me. God will forgive you. Or maybe this morning you're not a Christian and you're thinking about that process of what I need to do to straighten up my mouth and fix up my heart. This invitation is for you as well. You can put the Lord on in baptism this morning and be added to the body. And the Lord will help you with that process of mastering your mouth. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come while we stand and sing? The Song of Imitation.